Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to Pediatric Surgery Talks. Uh, this is Dr. Gursev Sandlers, and uh, today's podcast actually is going to be about uh, two of the things which I feel should be, uh, you know, uh, considered a part of your career today. But somehow, uh, even 20 years into the millennium, we are are still debating on these two topics. So the two things I'm going to cover today. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, is laparoscopy really necessary uh, i know it sounds very funny but uh, you know still there are uh, forums there are discussions there are panel discussions happening especially in pediatric surgery on whether you know uh, is pediatric laparoscopy seriously necessary uh, and uh, you know at a lot of places uh, uh, they actually do deride uh, laparoscopy to such an extent and i thought it would be better if i give a single place uh, perspective of this thing so that you know it doesn't get muddled by all the discussion and and interruptions that happen especially during a panel discussion and that can really confuse uh, someone who's in two minds whether uh, pediatric minimal access surgery is feasible advantages or not uh, uh, now to if if i have to say it in one line uh, there is no doubt that pediatric minimal access surgery is the future in fact pediatric minimal access surgery is the present what is in the future i'll i'll discuss shortly about it so uh, first of all we don't call it minimally invasive surgery at least i personally don't think it is minimally invasive the correct terminology according to me would be minimal access your access into the body is minimal the invasion inside the body should remain the same and i think that's the first overriding principle of pediatric minimal access surgery that whatever you do inside the body of the child has to be exactly the same that you would be doing with an open access so whether you're doing surgery by open technique whether you're doing surgery by laparoscopy whether you're doing surgery by robotic the basic surgery should remain the same to give you an example if i'm doing an open anderson heinz pyeloplasty now whether that is by lumbotomy access whether it is by lateral access whether it is by antero lateral access the surgery remains the same similarly if i am doing an anderson heinz pyeloplasty either by laparoscopy or by robotic the surgery remains the same you are going to dismember the pelvis and you are going to do the reconstruction as described in the books there should not be any shortcuts the early results in pediatric minimal access surgery as quoted by a few people that they are not good enough was because people were taking shortcuts they were not doing a dismembered pyeloplasty they were just doing a simple disconnection and reconstruction but now today the body of evidence exists in fact the evidence for pediatric minimal access surgery is more than 30 years old today it was in 1989 that david vandersey and his associates at umc utrecht started doing pediatric laparoscopy now this was even before adult laparoscopy had actually taken root properly and they were already studying the feasibility so it's not something which has come in overnight it is not something that is called as a new technique anymore even in india we have evidence that people have started practicing pediatric laparoscopy in the late 90s and early 2000s 
and the whole reason why it has not percolated down to the grassroots according to me these are all my personal opinions you may differ with me you may not agree with me but that's fine is because it has been perceived one to be very difficult technically which it is not as i have already told you in the previous podcast it's not technically difficult all the block is in your mind get rid of the mental block work hard to gain the technique work hard to gain proficiency and you will be there the second of course the more obvious one which which has been uh, touted very often in a lot of uh, forums at national level has been that it's prob it's not as beneficial or is actually harmful to the child now again let me tell you uh, what are the three things uh, that you do different in a laparoscopy or a minimal access surgery as compared to open uh, the position remains the same yes then let's talk about the carbon dioxide insufflation now there have been enough studies at international levels meta analysis mega studies which has shown that there is absolutely no harm to the child with co2 insufflation in the abdomen or the thorax there is no harm due to raised etco2 level in children whatsoever even in prolonged surgeries there is no harm of continuous diaphragmatic pressure that is exerted on the diaphragm during a laparoscopic procedure or a robotic procedure none of these things have any kind of short term or long term side effects on children if at all there is a couple of studies which have spoken about a increased recovery time after surgery especially laparoscopic surgery in neonates having said that it's just a small study it does not prove anything so we are doing newborn laparoscopies we have done intestinal atresias we have done pyeloplasties in children as small as 32 33 day old both robotic and laparoscopic so there is no uh, honestly no argument left today against pediatric minimal access surgery it is the future now uh, as compared to these perceived disadvantages which have been proven wrong the perceived advantages are there for everyone to see there is early recovery after surgery there is early mobilization after surgery there is definitely much much less pain as compared to an open surgery irrespective of what surgery you are doing all right so you have these advantages on top of that if you are doing the same surgery in fact that is what i tell my patients that i am going to do the same surgery there aren't going to be any shortcuts just because my access is different the route of access to that particular organ is different the surgery remains the same if i am doing a collodocal cyst excision with a hepaticoduodenostomy rest assured i'm going to do the same surgery whether i do it open whether i do it lap whether i do it robotic Yes it takes time to get to that proficiency it is difficult but it is not impossible please remember that I can proudly say that in last 5 years we have not done any open collodocal cyst we have not done any open pyeloplasty we have not done any primary open ureteric reimplantations yes for certain redos where it is indicated we have done it open but otherwise 80% of our work today 80 to 90% if i can say 
is minimal access. 80% is laparoscopic, 10% is robotic. That's our monthly workload in a nutshell. And I'll tell you, I don't do hernias laparoscopic. We do open herniotomies. Now, that is a discussion or an argument for a separate podcast. Why would you do, uh, why do I don't do hernias? But anybody who wants to should go ahead. In fact, it is my sincere suggestion to all of you who are just beginning their laparoscopic journeys let's start by doing hernias laparoscopic see you need more practice in the beginning to gain that proficiency hernias are the kind of surgeries that you're going to see in large numbers hernias and appendix these are the ones which you're going to do at a far greater number as compared to pyeloplasties or other surgeries they are much simpler to uh, gain proficiency in as compared to other reconstructive surgeries so start by doing lap hernias gain that confidence and proficiency and then if you choose to you can stop doing laparoscopic hernias you can directly graduate onto pyeloplasties colloidal cysts and other reconstructive surgeries but in the beginning please do lap hernias although i don't do them myself i don't subscribe to that school of thought that hernias in children should be done laparoscopic but it's a question of learning curve now if you want to shorten your learning curve you need to do those lap hernias so do them so uh, like i said there is no reason for us today to be debating whether pediatric minimal access surgery is better than open surgery see outcomes are the same that's what i'm trying to tell you the outcomes today there is enough data there is a 20 25 30 year data available on various laparoscopic procedures and even 10 year 15 year data on various robotic procedures today you know these are not things which have come yesterday or overnight they have been in existence for decades now and the outcomes are similar but where minimal access scores over open surgery is the scar definitely a cosmetic advantage then you have an advantage of early recovery early mobilization less pain to the patient now if you are going to put forth all these options honestly to your patient i don't believe any patient is going to opt for an open surgery but you have to be honest in your counseling that this is how it is you can't say yes the the, the evidence exists that the, you know the outcomes are similar but uh, still open is better no you say I do it open. I don't do it laparoscopic or robotic. But the outcomes are same. If you give them a balanced argument, patients are going to opt for minimal accessors. So that whole argument of whether laparoscopy is good or not is redundant today. Laparoscopy is good. Laparoscopy is equally good and offers better post-operative experience to the child. End of story. And the second thing I wanted to cover in very short thing is, should you publish anything, case report, original research, whatever it is, should you be publishing at all? My one word answer to that is yes. Now the rider attached to that yes is definitely yes if you are working as a faculty in a medical college. Probably yes, if you are into private practice. 
Now in private practice, what happens in unfortunately in India we have is what we call the freelance model. Not everybody is a full timer like me sitting in a single institute. Although there are few of them, the numbers is definitely increasing uh, year on year where people are opting to be full time in a, in a single private institution. Still, majority of us do practice what is known as a freelance practice where you visit multiple hospitals. Now my appeal to those people first before I go on to the medical college faculty is maintain a database. Keep an excel sheet. I have the entire surgical record of my own since the day I started my pediatric surgery training. In fact, if you include, I have all the data of my general surgery training also. So I have a complete with no gap the entire data of my surgical career starting from 2003 February. So I have a full 17 year data with me. Now obviously my general surgical data today is redundant for me but it is there. Now what happens if you do your data collection diligently is it tells you your own results in all honesty. I am not saying you need to go and publish them. That's your choice. That's an individual choice you have. But the fact is, it makes you acutely aware of where you stand, where your skill and your proficiency stands with regards to a particular procedure. Suppose we're talking about hernias. I mean, let's start with something very simple as a hernia. Have you had a recurrence ever? Have you had a wound infection? Have you had more pain in these patients? You know, these help you to alter your own practice. Don't just keep practicing without having a feedback to your own uh, results. Uh, you know, uh, the first chapter in, in Bailey and Love's short practice of surgery, we are all pediatric surgeons, we have all done general surgery. We have all read Bailey and Love. The first chapter of Bailey and Love is surgical audit. Why? Because it's extremely, extremely important for every surgeon to audit his work and do it honestly. Audit it for yourself. You don't want to tell people whether you have good results or bad results. That's secondary. The first thing that you need to know is that you need to collect your data. Please be very diligent. And, and trust me, I learned this from my wife. Because she keeps a diligent data of all her cases. She's an anesthetist. What is the need for her to do that? But she does it. Why? Because it helps her to improve her practice. And I think that's very important. You need to keep your data. You need to keep analyzing your data. You need to keep analyzing your results, your complications. It helps you to improve your practice over the years. Later, if you choose to publish it, it's your choice. There's no question. You can always publish an odd case report. You can always publish a retrospective analysis of your cases. You know, today, because I have my data with me, I can tell you that we are today standing at 133 consecutive laparoscopic appendicectomies done, which we haven't opened a single one of them. Now, how do I know this? Because I have kept my data. It's a prospective ongoing data collection. What it does is it helps you to give confidence to your patient also. If tomorrow a patient comes who has a difficult appendix and he asks me, I can honestly tell him, you know what, we stand at 133 consecutive cases. History is in our favor that this, the next one also will be completed laparoscopic and we won't need to open. So it helps you to give you a better 
answer to your patient also so please start your data collection especially those who are in doing their mch right now you will be required to keep a logbook there will be a record of what you have done in the department at least take that record make it your own make a good logbook make an excel sheet and keep adding each year separately into it make a separate excel sheet for every year of whatever work you do and audit it at the end of the year yourself i'm not asking you to give it to somebody else you don't want to reveal your results to anybody well and good but do reveal your results to yourself be self critical and be doing a self audit every year now coming to the medical college guys if you are a faculty in a in a medical college i i know it comes with tremendous constraints tremendous politics a lot of things do happen i've been a part of that system but fortunately i worked with one of the best bosses in this country you know um, i've had a fantastic experience where where i matured as a surgeon brilliantly under her leadership but the fact remains there are always constraints and you need to learn to work in those constraints make the most of it now you may you have two options in front of you if you are an assistant professor today either you're going to be a career teacher you're going to be in the medical college or you have plans that i'm going to gain some experience i'm going to step out tomorrow so i'm going to cover both these aspects together because i feel if you are in a medical college you have a better chance of growth as a surgeon and as a teacher as compared to somebody who's gone into private practice especially a freelance practice build up your cv now this was something that was told to me by my teacher make your cv so heavy that it gets attention it's something that can't be ignored and the second best advice i ever got from my teachers and my bosses was let your work speak for itself now these are two things that you can build up better in a medical college i'm not saying it can't be done in private practice it can be done in private practice but here the guys who are working as a faculty or a senior registrars in a medical college have a better chance of doing it you see a higher volume of cases you see a higher variety of cases be acutely aware of what can be published and what cannot be published first of all i don't think there's anything that is not publishable everything is publishable so besides improving your surgical skills besides improving your decision making capabilities do focus on publications yes case reports are good to publish it adds to your numbers very fast but do some original research you know uh, it can be as simple as analysis of abdominal pain in children when they come to you we have recently published one article on that and you know it was just a simple audit we just collected 200 patients who came to us with a complaint of abdominal pain and you'll be surprised uh, at the number of articles that came out from that data so again boiling back to the same thing data collection have an ongoing comprehensive data collection program in your department what you choose to do with that data is secondary you choose to publish it you choose to audit it to improve departmental protocols and practices whether you choose to improve your personal protocols and practices that's a different issue 
but the bottom line is there has to be comprehensive data collection of everything especially in a medical college you have the manpower it can't be a focused data collection because you're planning to write something that is different you've given a research project to a particular student who does something and collects data regarding that that is different but ongoing comprehensive data collection of all the surgeries that are happening in the department and it will give you a good insight it will help you grow as an individual even if your seniors are not supportive about it it's fine not everybody may be on board with your uh, scheme of things that's perfectly acceptable nobody is going to stop you from data collection do the data collection analyze it maybe analyze your own um, surgeries look at the complications look at the outcomes good bad nice whatever it is but always have an insight like i said in the last podcast a surgeon is a student for life and unless and until you analyze your own results it will be difficult for you to grow as a surgeon you know so practice data collection definitely start learning minimal access surgery it's the need of the hour today if we are to grow as a fraternity all of us need to learn laparoscopy the advance in the branch is not at an individual level there is no point in having one or two brilliant laparoscopic surgeons in a particular city no it helps if all of us get if we elevate the level of practice together that is where the real growth of the fraternity the real advantage lies you know we already suffer from a crisis of uh, Uh, awareness amongst pediatricians and amongst general population now unless and until you elevate your practice as a community it, this task is going to be all the more difficult so please the the take home message of this podcast is learn pediatric minimal access surgery and do data collection and then if you feel publish that data if you have any questions I'm always available on my email drgurseva@gmail.com. Please connect with me. Let me know any further topics that you would like me to cover. And thank you so much for such a patient listening. Have a nice day.